Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Left Turn Canada. We are, of course, a part of the Harbinger Podcast Network, and we have been focusing heavily over this last month on the Canadian federal election. This will be the last time you hear from Christo and I before that day, so it's a, an important show for us. Uh, last time we spoke, it was after the debate which we had uh, some conflicting thoughts on, but generally thought that there was one clear loser. We're heading into the weekend of this election where things could change. Perhaps they won't. Uh, Christo, how is it looking? We're just, I think, a, a couple days before. How's it looking? Well, it looks to be stabilizing a little bit. You know, before the English, before those last two debates, you know, back-to-back debates, Aaron O'Toole was clearly leading and it was effectively a tie in seats because again at least on projection based on uh where the regional data and based on what we know from the 2019 election uh the conservatives need to beat trudeau by two or three probably to equal them in seats mm-hmm. like you know it'll depend if they have a slightly better ontario performance then maybe they don't need that um, and so their lead is basically evaporated. And according to the poll tracker, the CBC poll tracker, the liberals have a bit of momentum and it's effectively a tie right now with the liberals at about 31.7 and the conservative 31.2. The NDP, you know, in the, you know, when we recorded just after that debate had seen kind of a, a bit of a downward trend in the polls, mm-hmm. nothing drastic, but, you know, we're slipping kind of below 20 but in the last few days have had a run of good polls and they're polling pretty much exactly at 20 percent the ppc is polling at six uh the block as well and the greens at three and so the projection from the cbc and by most pollsters now is that um it's basically status quo like basically we wasted a whole bunch <laughs> wow. of fucking time for nothing Thank right because eh? like like it's a, about 150 liberal seats, so yeah. the liberals will be down about seven or eight. The conservatives at 120, so you know, similar for the conservatives, you know, um, you know, uh, significantly, uh, you know, in second place, but significantly behind the liberals. Mm-hmm. The big difference is that the NDP will make some gains, and the bloc will see some losses. The NDP would be the big winner. If the election was to happen today and the projections were right, uh, the NDP would gain about 12, 14 seats. Mm. They would go from the mid-20s to the high 30s um, and therefore be um, they wouldn't be the only party holding the balance of power, but they would have a strengthened position. The Greens would win only one seat, likely Elizabeth Mays uh, and the People's Party, despite their their strength. Uh, would win none at this point. But it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a guarantee that they'll win none. That's just the projections as they stand. Although it might be very hard to predict for them. And as we saw with Jason Kenney, basically adopting, um, you know, COVID passports and mm-hmm. and, and max uh, mandates and all those things, uh, it may well be the case that that leads to increased PPC voting in Alberta, 
uh, uh, you know, be feeling betrayed by more traditional conservative parties. Yeah, but it's that idea. We talked about it before. Yeah. They, because of our system, even though they're sitting at that percentile, it's just, it's very unlikely it's going to enmesh to yeah. actual seats, which their you know, votes I, aren't, yeah, yeah, their votes aren't colla- uh, uh, coalescing in a region. What you could say about the Greens is that, you know, they did pick up that seat in Fredericton. That's likely not in play, although maybe they have a shot in Kitchener because the liberal candidate. Uh, resigned uh, basically there, but the the Greens, uh, the NDP could also win that seat actually as well. Mm. But you know they the the you know BC is usually a strong point for them. Of course the Bloc uh, gets six point four percent, but they only run in Quebec, so they're able to you know amass quite a bit of seats with you know what looks like a very small vote total. Yeah, the PPC as of yet has not found a region where they're like significantly stronger. So maybe they're at six, but they're at say twelve. In Alberta, maybe they could win a seat. Who knows? Right? I, I do wonder if, you know, this point spread in the in the fact that if we did have, you know, a, a form of electoral reform that was promised so many years ago, I wonder if it'll be used as propaganda against possible future uh, reforms because, look, hey, this crazy uh, anti-vaccine yeah. party would yeah. have gotten seats. We we yeah. can't make yeah. these changes. People are not. people are making that argument right now. Jesus, yeah, I've I... seen it a lot, mostly from liberal supporters who fucking hate democracy. <laughs> um, but like, look, here's the thing. One, let's be like, I'm going to be honest. Maybe this is unpopular. If the PPC can win seats under a proportional system, the PPC deserves seats under a proportional yeah, system. I agree. If we're not going to have the balls to ban a political party, mm-hmm. we can't get all high and mighty when they actually win. If you want to get out there and like amend the charter of rights <laughs> and freedoms to be able to ban political views and like let's ban the People's Party. We can mm-hmm. have that debate. We can have that debate. But if you're going to pretend that you're a free society where like ideas can be debated in the public arena and they find a voting base... Well, then they deserve some seats. There's a few factors here. One, there would be almost certainly a threshold system within proportionality. And what that means is it's not just proportionality absolutely because you would only need about point in a 300 seat parliament just to keep the math nice and simple. 1% 1% would give you three seats. Mm. So you would need about a third of a percent of the vote to get one seat. Um, most proportional systems, in, including places like Europe, like in Greece, for example, I think you need a minimum of 3 or 5% of the vote to get access to the proportional system. So you can't be absolutely positively fringe. Mm-hmm. Now, that wouldn't exclude the PPC. But the point is that, uh, fundamentally, um, you would still have a, a strong majority of voters likely within the non-PPC <laughs> camp. Yeah. Uh, for in, just looking at this poll right here, the liberals and the NDP add up to about 51, 52 on their own. That's a majority right there. You throw the greens in at another three or four percent. That puts them at 55. The bloc might not consider themselves part of a coalition, but likely wouldn't align with the PPC either, yeah. given that Blanchette won't take questions from the, the rebel and all of that. And so you got like 60 percent of the vote right there. That's like anti PPC and they would control parliament. Right. You know, um, further than that, one thing, though, to be clear, though, we, we always have to be careful is that um, when you talk about what parliament will look like you, under proportionality, you have to realize that the incentives are different. Mm. So the liberals might fracture, the conservatives might fracture, the NDP might fracture. 
um, parties might not fracture. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can't make that assumption too deeply. But the point is, as of right now, it's largely a status quo parliament with the exception that the NDP would have a noticeable gain in seats. That would be the biggest change, if, if, if correct. But of course, there's always the chance that strategic voting could happen. Mm -hmm. The NDP does sometimes underperform polling because of turnout issues. Uh, we don't know. But mm -hmm. that, that, is, that is the prediction. Well, it is interesting. We, we made some, I guess, assumptions last show about how the debate would affect polling. I don't know if you have in front of you there, but from what you're seeing, did, you know, O'Toole, was he able to get a bit of a bump? Because I think we did agree that he didn't do a terrible job. And as the alternative to Trudeau just kind of angrily stomping and making weird jokes, it feels like he might have had a movement. From what you're saying here, though, it, it doesn't seem like that happened. I mean, no, not really, right? Yeah. If you look there, what Abacus did a poll and they asked people, like, who did more to win your vote in that debate and who did more to lose your vote? And in that sense, Justin Trudeau lost. More people said Trudeau lost their vote or did more to lose their vote than to win it. The only person that won, aka they had a significant you know, number of people that said they won their, their vote over lost it, was Jagmeet Singh, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, in that in that English debate, we we kind of live reacted to after, but it didn't seem like that debate moved the polls all that much. And it might simply be the case that not a whole lot of people watched it mm. like like a, like the majority of Canadians did not watch that debate. Right. And it was it was not seen in some ways like that. Some previous debates have been. Uh, I don't know if that's because people are just so drained right now. I don't know if it's because people don't want this election, so they don't really care. I don't know if it's like a new phenomenon or an emerging phenomenon that, you know, there isn't like one news source anymore. Like even going back to 2011, before the rise of like modern podcasting and political YouTube and all of that, it's like there was the CBC debate, like the national debate. And you watched that debate mm -hmm. where you got to see Jack Layton just knife <laughs> Michael Ignatieff and throw him in the Ottawa River, right? Mm -hmm. like, like, we got everyone watched that. It's the re it's one of the reasons, in combination with uh, his performance on Tout Le Monde en Parle, one of the big shows in Quebec, that, that Jack Layton had that big run. This seems like not enough people watched it, that even if there was this big moment, it, yeah. it didn't seem to manifest. What we've seen is that Singh has pulled well since the debate, but Justin Trudeau has as well. And in some ways, both the NDP and the Liberals are up in like the last week, mm -hmm. right? If you look at the CBC poll tracker, like for the most part, what we, we've talked about this as a kind of antidote to that strategic voting argument. It's like most of the movement has been between the Liberals yeah, and Conservatives. Yeah, it was parallel. You could see it moving back and forth yeah. exactly like in, the NDP in dipped. You know, they were they were polling in the in the in the kind of where they are now in the low 20s up until September 6th, September 7th. They dipped to about 19 or so and now are back to about 20 something. And while this was happening, the liberals have gone from a, you know, a uh, three two point deficit on the conservatives to, you know, about a half point lead. Not a lot of movement. But again, the liberals, again, it, uh, based on the assumption, and I don't think it's an uncredible one. Like, I don't think people are just making it up. But the assumption is that he's likely to win. If you look at the 
polling uh, the the mathematical odds right now, they're basically giving the liberals a 60, 73% chance, 72% chance of forming the government, Mm. right? 59% chance of a liberal minority and a 12% of a liberal majority. And the conservatives only have a 27% of a minority and a 1% chance of a majority. And that's because of the, the vote distribution, right? That's because of the vote distribution. And so as it is right now, um, it, it, it did, it didn't look like the, it didn't look like the, it, it didn't look like the debates moved a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if other things are moving people and there have been developments. This whole Jason Kenny thing might, uh, really hammer Aaron O'Toole, uh, both in the sense that it pisses off PPCers, but also that more moderate voters get scared of what a conservative type government's going to do under COVID. Uh, I don't know. But right now, it's kind of like we're back. It's kind of like where we're back to not back to where we were at the start, because at the very start, the liberals were significantly ahead. But yeah. basically back to where we were like three weeks ago and where we were basically in 2019. Yeah. Like, yeah, the polls are quite similar to what they were on August, say, 26th, mm-hmm. basically is where we were August 27th. And I wonder we if this all speaks to the general sort of campaign that Trudeau and the liberals are trying to run. It almost seems as if, based on his campaigning, that he benefits more if people are not actually engaged and are not willing or able because, you know, of the the horrible, you know, 18 months we've all had to be engaged in this process. So I, I almost wonder, like, the cynicism that I think we both have seen in how Trudeau in particular is campaigning and and the different messaging he puts out, it almost seems like it speaks to this idea that the less people that are actually paying attention to this election will benefit Trudeau because, like we said before, it'll pretty much be what what it was uh, previous to this entire campaign, this entire waste. And if that happens, if, you know, at the end of Monday night we are sitting at almost the same result with, you know, some improvements for the NDP. You know, we think Singh did, I would say, a very good job in this campaign. If we're in that position, what has been the benefit to not even Canadians, but I, I want to get even more, you know, frog-brained about this. What is the benefit to Trudeau and the Liberals? Was it just, you know, this is just a miscalculation and, you know, the polling, like we said at the beginning of this campaign, looked like, oh, a majority was in sight and they fucked up so bad and they just didn't pan out. But now looking back, you know, what did they possibly gain with wasting all this time and effort? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Canadians are going to think. I think, like, a lot of people like us are going to be like, yeah, you see, you just wasted our fucking time, right? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think if Canadians give them the mandate they gave them last time, I guess it's like people were mad at them clearly because they before the election they were polling in, in like, you know, over 200 seats, you know, six, seven ahead of the Conservatives, and now they, they might eke a, a, you know, a small win out. Uh, I don't know if that's going to maybe sink Trudeau uh, uh, within his party, but I, I almost think like maybe things will sort of just go back to the yeah. way they were. The liberals will say, well, we didn't really gain anything, but we didn't lose a whole lot. 
yeah, maybe we lose 10 seats, but we didn't lose a, a, you know, a clear lead over the conservatives. And we don't necessarily have to depend on the NDP every hour of every day for survival. Mm -hmm. So it's like we have flexibility. Um, I think it'll kind of just go back to what it was like pre-election where the liberals will have broad authority to put their vision forward but not quite at the level of a majority. And they'll mm -hmm. probably just continue doing what they were doing. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, it'll push things back a couple years and the liberals will probably look for another election at some point. Um, but that's probably what's going to happen, right? The, yeah. And that's what's likely going to happen, right? Most, I, some, some people have come out and oh, Brian Breguet from Too Close to Call just basically said, and he's, some of uh, leans conservative in his own personal views have suggested that it's getting to a point that unless there's a big shift, more and more people are coalescing around the idea that Trudeau's probably going to win. Yeah. It's going to take a pretty big polling miss um, to not have him win at this stage. Mm -hmm. uh, likely a minority, maybe a majority, but the, and, and this new Jason Kenney fiasco is probably going to help him. Conservatives are starting to get worried about PPC vote splitting it wasn't necessarily clear if and how much it was going to hurt them. But if they keep rising, you know, just the mathematics of it, when a party hits a certain mathematic threshold, it's like a tipping point, like yeah. water going off a, uh, mm -hmm. off the, you know, the edge of a sink. There's right? momentum like it just, there, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just the math starts to add up that it starts affecting more and more ridings. It's sort of like how when parties start winning more seats, yeah. you can go from 22 to 23 and gain nothing, go from th 23 to 24 and gain 20 seats wow. in a first past the post system. Because depending on 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 the particulars of of that election and your vote spread in terms of like engagement, I don't know that Trudeau fully benefits from low engagement. That's generally the conservatives. There's a couple things mm -hmm. in general. Low turnout is good for incumbents potentially because it signals that people aren't really pissed off. Mm. Right. Like, there's a reason why Joe Biden got more votes than anyone ever, and almost none of it has to do with Joe Biden. Yeah. Right? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. People hated Trump. That election had the highest turnout since 1900 in terms of percentages. It was a historic turnout because people were motivated to primarily to vote against Donald Trump. And a lot of people were motivated to support him, but mostly to, to, to turf, that, turf that dick, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but conversely... When turnout is low, it tends to benefit conservative parties because they tend to have in their base the people that vote most often. Wealthier people, whiter people, mm -hmm. maler people, men tend to vote a little bit more. Um, you know, older people, that's a big one. Older people in particular. That might be mitigated by the fact that the liberals are polling quite well among seniors uh, relative to what they used to. But... You know, low low engagement might not help the liberals, right? It mm -hmm. might not punish them brutally, but they don't want low turnout. Liberals want a typical turnout election, as I think what they're aiming for. Mm, interesting, because I just yeah. just personally to see the facade of Justin Trudeau really publicly cracking. Like I think this happened this week. I don't know if it was before the uh, in debate. I, I, yeah, it was. Where I don't know if you saw the uh, the end of his interview that he had with Global, where he basically said to the the interviewer, you know, this is an election. We got big things to talk about, and you didn't even want to talk about that stuff, like all this other stuff. With this, the look that he's had in yeah. his eyes so many times, where there is a menacing rage. Because 
behind him trying to be like pithy and and not upset. I call him the Pete Buttigieg eyes. Like I, I really do yeah. think there's there's that look. And the interviewer had a fantastic answer, just basically saying, you know, in BC here, reconciliation is absolutely important and that's why we spent the time on it and we wanted to talk to you about other things you decided not to and he kind of you know pushed it off where on the other hand we have seen uh Jagmeet this week I think really really kill it like he has had yeah. a very had strong a week. campaign week he he's his personality and his um genuine belief in making a better tomorrow like for everyone that isn't delineated on economic grounds at least in comparison to the others is really being felt like that great answer that he had uh i think it was on the agenda this week talking about like the idea of oh you know we we it's not your jurisdiction i don't mean to tell you that like this self-congratulating bullshit when someone is saying you know of course yeah we we never would have had yeah and he says we never would have had (laughs) medicare if people just you know yeah it is it is provincial jurisdiction but it also requires federal leadership to do courageous things and do mm-hmm. big, bold things, right? Like, it, 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 you know, yeah, he gave a good answer. I think there's been positive reception to the platform, which we talked about. I, I don't know if we have we did we get to talk about that the the costed platform where the NDP is running early, the, the, yeah, early, yeah, we, we, did, we yeah. yeah, we did get to talk about it briefly where yeah. they are running the the uh, biggest spending increases yes, but yeah, with yeah. their tax increases on the rich they're actually coming out with the lowest deficits showing mm-hmm. that you can do a heck of a lot when you tax the rich the ultra um, rich we should the ultra rich yes. yeah the ultra rich but also they are raising yeah. uh, uh income taxes on those people making more than two hundred thousand dollars a year they may not be rich but they are well off and probably could afford to pay a little bit more <laughs> um but the the reality is that the the unlimited zeal thing yes there's been a lot of good the just watch me thing i wrote an article on that for canadian dimension you know saying that you know when when justin trudeau says you can't go at the rich too hard just watch me yeah he's had a really good week and one thing and look i don't want to read too much into it uh as a partisan i'm gonna say it means ndp majority (laughs) uh we're gonna paint this country orange and usher in true communism but um but like, but but the reality is like, look at where Trudeau has been through much of this week, is he's been going to a lot of liberal ridings. Mm. He's been in Halifax, which is a liberal riding that uh, has been held by the NDP often, and is not a it's not blue red it's it, it's it's not a uh, conservative uh, hopeful riding. They they pour very poorly in Halifax. Um, he's been in some liberal ridings in Quebec. He's been in some liberal ridings in Ontario, whereas Singh has been going mostly on the offensive. He's been in uh, London. London does have an NDP riding, but not all of them. He's been in Oshawa. Today he was in Kingston. He's in Kitchener, he was in yeah. Brampton, yeah, uh, Brampton East, which is a liberal seat, though, but one held by the NDP provincially. Uh, he has been going on the offense. He was in Kitchener uh, yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could indicate optimism with the NDP camp based on polling and the data they have, and maybe a little bit of worry for Justin Trudeau. Uh, You can't read, you can't definitively read into that, but where leaders are in the final days of the campaign can say things Mm -hmm. about the health of that campaign. Interesting. So I I guess the other thing we, we should touch on before we get to the real meat and potatoes this week are some of the endorsements. If you've all seen it, uh, Barack Obama 
you know, stopped making his Netflix movies and making millions of dollars to make sure we all know that he supports his friend Justin Trudeau the best for him in Canada's upcoming election, saying that he's been an effective leader and a strong voice for democratic values, and I'm proud of the work that we did together. Is this actually going to push anyone? I think those of you, those Canadians out there that see a lot of weight in a Barack Obama endorsement are likely already voting liberal. I don't think that will translate in in any big, meaningful way. He didn't go on TV or say anything like that either. It was just on Twitter, I believe. But the yeah. big endorsement, this just happened. Oh, yeah, sorry. Let's let's talk about Obama for a second. What do you got on Yeah, that? like, yeah, if there was a video, yeah, a video of it, or if he was, like, sitting down with Justin, of course, mm-hmm. that would have more of an effect. There's a couple reasons why I don't think this will have the effect it did last time. Yeah. Um, I think... I think that last time it was sort of unexpected. Obama was, you know, out of office, uh, hadn't really done this like foreign endorsement thing, started doing it like he endorsed. Um, I think he endorsed uh, Macron as well. Mm. He was endorsing like a lot of the neoliberal Europeans and Canadian, uh, you know, people he idol- aligns with ideologically, like within like the Western world uh, and sort of doing so because now he, as a private citizen, it's less it's less fraught. He's not you know, president or even the leader of his party or whatnot. And that was a big one because no one really expected it. Trudeau had been having a really rough campaign. He had done blackface and got caught doing blackface three times and then lied about it and then won't tell us how many times and the last time he did it. And he got an endorsement from Barack Obama, of course, the the recent black president of the United States. And he got an endorsement from uh, one of Martin Luther King's sons, I believe mm. around the same time, um, uh, clearly helpful to dispel, you know, issues that he was having in that campaign. Yeah. This Ideas time it's like, okay, you got endorsed by the guy you got endorsed by last time. Look, is it going to hurt? No, it's not going to hurt. There's no way it's going to hurt him. Anyone that doesn't like Barack Obama, uh, it would be, is, is not voting for Trudeau. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe it gets him a point. Or so I don't know, maybe, but like I, I don't see it having a major effect. I think, I think it's, I think it's mostly status quo. And we're used to Obama as well after the American Democratic primary, like being involved and making moves, you know, like you said, it's not the same sort of moment that it was before. But before we just started recording, there was a big endorsement for the NDP, the absolute killer, the person that made, you know, Trudeau take a back step after uh, the debate when he claimed proudly that he is not fighting indigenous kids in court. He is absolutely not. Cindy Blackstock has endorsed the NDP and uh, I think we I don't know if we talked about it because it happened right after. But after that debate, when she lined out very specifically online how Trudeau is doing this, like showing the receipts, it's 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 really sickening when you see it so bold faced like that. And just to, uh, you know, have her supporting this party, I I think is a, a really big win because that issue of reconciliation is such a sore spot for Trudeau. This puts people who maybe are in a camp, and I think there are a lot. I think there are more people who would normally vote liberal but are horrified by children's bodies being found in, uh, you know, Catholic school, in residential schooling, that this actually really does matter. And uh, it's coming right before this. And, yeah, what do you think? I think it's a big deal. 
Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to move votes, but just it's morally it's a big deal. Mm. I don't I don't want the endorsement of a guy who like is to the right of Joe Biden. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want that endorsement. I, f- fuck that, man. I, I wouldn't want Barack Obama's endorsement. No. I mean, I get why Trudeau wants it, and I get why, like, neoliberals love it, but, like, I wouldn't want his endorsement. I would love Sydney Blackstock, Blackstock's endorsement because she's a champion for, like, the most marginalized yeah. people. Um, and it could help the NDP, uh, you know, for, for uh, strategic voters or for blue-red switcher or blue-orange switchers or for green-orange switchers that really care about indigenous issues. Her endorsement could matter, and maybe it. I, I mean, I can't speak for communities, but maybe her voice carries weight within indigenous communities, mm-hmm. and their votes matter, and their votes in a lot of ridings, particularly in Western Canada, uh, they they have significant proportions of the population where the indigenous vote can make a difference in terms of flipping seats from one party to another. You know, the one thing though is this endorsement comes with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to get endorsed by uh, indigenous people and then fuck them over. Yeah. Right. No, and um, I think he is speaking to that. Like I, yeah. I do know yeah. in Kitchener, uh, someone that I'm actually familiar with got a chance. He's indigenous and got a chance to get a little FaceTime with Jigmeet. And he was answering these questions really well about, you know, that the independent investigation of when that would start, how it would work. You know what what Cindy is saying here in her endorsement is the idea to eliminate all inequalities in public services, return child welfare jurisdiction to indigenous communities, and implement recommendations for the uh, the inquiry that we talked about before. So this connection, yeah, there is a big responsibility there, and it's huge. I like I, it is very anecdotal, but I do know people that I think would be compelled with this notion that because Jagmeet is doing such a good job and I think members of his uh, caucus are doing such a good job to do the right thing here. So, of course, we will see. But, you know, it's it's a great week for the one party that is trying to make some big moves here. I guess I shouldn't say that because in the debate, the Green Party uh, leader wanted to make sure that she's the, the also Green Party's that. Yeah, like, I, like look, yeah. the Green Party is, I think, right now in a, in a particular state where it's been very difficult for them. I don't know if they've had the ability, even though there there are kernels of very good policy within the Green Party right now, and, and, and they have moved generally in a correct direction vis-a-vis, you know, their last few campaigns. It's just, I mean, look, yesterday, the day before, Annami Paul admitted that she's considered quitting the leadership. Jeez. And effectively, it, it really feels like the 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 three exist the two existing MPs the leader and the people that actually have a shot at winning maybe their Kitchener MP what what have you maybe the 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 Green and Fredericton although I don't think she has much of a chance frankly they're all effectively running independent style campaigns yeah. right mm-hmm. and, and so it's hard to assess you know like what the Green vision is going to be in this in, in comparison to say Jugmeet Singh who is very clearly the leader of the NDP. And when you pull people, uh, uh, you know, their the partisans' impression of their leader, Jagmeet Singh, is the most popular among his own party's membership. I think he has a maybe more of a credible claim to being putting forward a, a coherent vision for his party at this point. 
Yeah, so there we have it. That is the events right before this election, the last time you're going to hear from us. I uh, went to Twitter and to our Discord here. You can, of course, join our little community, patreon.com slash Canada. Just one buck a month or 10 bucks for the full year. We've had a, a lot new of new people coming in, so that's great. So I posed the question, what are some of the complaints, comments, or questions that people you know say or express in regards to not voting for the NDP? You know, what are their reasons why not? So Crystal and I are going to do <laughs> a little bit of a, a project here. I am going to embody, you know, that boomer Gen X spirit, <laughs> and I am going to pose these questions to you. So Christo, you up for it? Yep. Okay, yeah. so let me just, I got to get into character. You know, I uh, was able to buy my home in 1981 for, you know, maybe $106,000. It's now worth a million dollars. So that's good. You earned it. You I earned, earned it. it. I definitely you, earned all it. All that work you did earning it. Yeah, I had one job. Uh, my wife had a, a bit of a job as well for a little while, a part-time job. And all my kids went to university and we went to Florida at least three times a year. Yeah. But I don't think I'm wealthy because I don't personally own a cottage. So that's why I am working class. So, okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do this. So first question by far that we got, the thing that you hear the most folks is this. Don't you hate conservatives? Do you even remember the Harper years? Even if Trudeau isn't my first choice, he really does feel like my only choice. A vote for the NDP is a vote for the conservatives, Christo. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's a common one. And, and that the applies common, to a yeah. lot of provincial elections as well. Like, you know, it, it, most most provinces that except for maybe out west where the NDP is one of the, the, the bigger parties. There's a few things I'll say. One, ultimately, I can't tell somebody how to arrive at their vote. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want to vote for something or against something that's your choice if you want to vote for the person with the 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 cutest hat that's and that's how you, you can do that well that's so jug meat definitely it's jug yeah, meat definitely people people can vote how they wish yeah but if you're gonna be a strategic voter even like there's a few things people need to realize one in this election again most of the polling is making it very clear that the liberals are in a good position to win a plurality and maybe even a majority of seats and it's unlikely the conservatives will win and especially unlikely they'll win a majority um, and so if you really are a person that worries about conservatives but still wants a progressive government giving the liberals your vote in every case is actually bad because it gives the liberals a majority or is more likely to which leads to less progressive policy when compared to a liberal minority where they depend on the NDP, especially when they depend on them quite deeply, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's, that's something to consider. Another thing to consider is that many people do not live in ridings that are actually blue, you know, red switchers. Yeah. That even if you are an out-and-out -out strategic voter, and I'm like, again, like, like, um, and, and I can't talk you out of doing that. If you live in most cities, if you live in like the entirety of like the downtown core of Toronto, if you live in much of Western Canada, there are many, many, many ridings 
where the NDP is competing with the liberals, with the conservatives in a very distant third, or these are ridings where the NDP is the, is the top non-conservative choice. And so what people end up getting is this sense that you have to vote anything but conservative, and that means to them liberal, even though if you live in a city like Halifax, Nova Scotia, there is no chance of a conservative victory. And so in Kingston, I'll get this, here in Kingston, Ontario, people will say I'm voting strategically to stop the conservatives. You don't need to do it here. Even if you are a strategic voter and I can't change your mind, there's no need to do it there. And that applies to many, many ridings. Another factor I'll add is that the liberals don't act, like the liberals bear responsibility for putting at risk Canadians to conservative governments. There's both in the historic and in the recent terms. Going back to the advent of the Harper years, if you'll recall, Harper won a minority government in like the mid 2000s. The Liberals and the NDP under Leighton and Stéphane Dion uh, reached a deal to form a coalition that would turf Stephen Harper uh, and form a coalition NDP liberal government with the bloc not being a part of the coalition, but providing the votes needed to form a majority in parliament. They had a deal. Harper mm-hmm. provoked Parliament. I, I, I don't think he should have been allowed to do that, but they had a deal. And in the interim, basically, the Liberals turfed Dion, replaced him with Ignatieff, who refused to make the same deal, even though there were the votes in Parliament to make the deal happen. Right? They're like, mm-hmm. they, they could have still done it. And so the Liberals had a chance, and they had a leader, at least one leader, willing to throw Stephen Harper out and build a orange-red coalition with a bit of block support on the side and they chose not to do it, right? So the, mm-hmm. they gave us, or they didn't give us Harper necessarily, but they certainly uh, kept Harper in power. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, before, and and then if you look, of course, at the most recent, um, or the most, uh, when Justin Trudeau's rise, he promised the end of first past the post. And he promised the end of first past the post because he was in third and desperate. Mm-hmm. And then he won a majority and he got rid of that promise. Now, again, the first past the post system is the only system that makes strategic voting necessary, right? Yeah, that I think that's a really big hit. And that so if you're why would the liberals, if the liberals care yeah. about, you know, stopping the conservatives, if liberal partisans in the liberal party cared, why would they preserve the one system that in the like, you know, maybe it's not likely now because the conservative vote distribution is a little off. But in, you know, in the right election where with about 35 percent of the vote, certainly 40, but maybe 35 percent of the vote, they could win just a smidgen over 170 seats and have four or five years of effectively absolute power. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, effectively absolute power. That's mm-hmm. the only the, the liberals preserve that system, basically saying we would rather give the conservatives a chance at absolute power than have a system that sort of guarantees we'll always have to work with the NDP and the Greens and maybe the Bloc, uh, you know, et cetera. And when the conservatives do form a government, which could happen from time to time, they will almost certainly form weak governments dependent on the other parties to pass almost anything else. 
-hmm. And finally, you can even say it with this election. If this was all about protecting Canada from going conservative at this critical juncture with COVID and everything else, why call an election two years early? Right. And finally, we should make it clear that Justin Trudeau has effectively said he would not work with the NDP to keep uh, Aaron O'Toole out of power if there was a hypothetical scenario where, you know, they could add up to more than 170, uh, even if O'Toole finished first in seats, saying that effectively Justin Trudeau would pop prop up conservatives. And so whether it's the liberals own actions or whether it's the 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 misunderstanding of what strategic voting is mm -hmm. even if you want to do it the vast majority of people who claim to be strategic voters are doing it all wrong in that way right like yeah you know i i i don't see the value of it and there's another factor too is that in many cases strategic voting doesn't work that well because data is hard to predict it's hard to coordinate larry savage who is a professor in labor studies at brock wrote a piece recently saying that strategic voting is is actually quite ineffective and sometimes can be counterproductive, especially in quick moving elections. For instance, it was understood that maybe some strategic voting campaigns in 2011 were still telling people to vote liberal in the final days of that election, not understanding that the liberals were tanking and the NDP was rising, uh, not suggesting that those campaigns were the reason that Harper won government, but it likely added a few seats to Harper's tally than it normally would have because people were being told to vote strategically and doing it in the way that was the actually counter strategic. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so those are all things I would maybe tell people. Well, that was surgical there. Christo, every part of that sentence you had a rebuff for. So just a a quick little summary again of the Harper years. Do you even remember them? As Christo said, you know, a lot of that is the responsibility of the Liberal Party that we had that. It was out of almost pure ambition that there wasn't a coalition against them. If even if Trudeau isn't my first choice, he's my only choice. The reason that is the case. Also, Har Trudeau voted for, for so many Harper budgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I He's believe his first vote in parliament was to support a Harper budget. There you go. Uh, and right. so, Har yeah, Justin Trudeau is on, on record voting with Stephen Harper quite frequently. And I do like the idea that, because this is said a lot, that even if Trudeau is in my first choice, he's my only choice. The reason that is the case is because of the duplicitous actions of Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party. Like, they were promising something different, and that didn't happen. Like, why do you want to still be stuck with your captors? You know, we don't need to be held hostage. And, you know, if you're having any issues with uh, people bringing that, that trash to the table, please use some Christo anecdotes. So uh, the other big one that I got here, I think probably a dozen people got this as their responses when talking about the NDP, is that simply it's too good to be true. Singh is a great guy. I wish he was a leader of a different party, but whatever he is saying won't happen. He won't be able to keep his word. And I think we can tie that into as well, just the general concern who's going to pay for it. So just this idea of skepticism because Jagmeet is saying something that is mildly more impactful and uh, is using more positive rhetoric. Well, first, on the on the cost of how are we going to pay for it, the NDP, and this has been costed by the Parliamentary Budget Office, then it, through all the major parties, the NDP is proposing rather substantive increases in spending. No one's denying that. But they more than, and, 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 and the deficits will increase under the NDP. But, the reality is the NDP's tax increases on the well-off and the rich and the wealthy, 
through income and corporate and wealth taxes and capital gains taxes and those sorts of things, in addition to trying to close loopholes uh, to, to collect taxes that should be owed even with the current rates, uh, will raise much of the money to cover the spending. Meaning that the NDP is projected to spend less over the next five years in terms of deficit increase than the liberals or conservatives. Same thing with Andrea Horwath. This was an argument people made in the last mm -hmm. Ontario election, yeah. but it was very clear that because Horwath was proposing a lot of spending increases, a lot of people were worried about the price tag, but with the tax increases and cutting certain subsidies to corporations, blah, 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 it was understood that the NDP would run lower deficits by 2022. So by the end of the term, the NDP would have the lowest deficits. The Ford government, I believe, actually the highest or slightly or very yeah, similar to the, the, the win platform. But the the reality is like that's clear. Um, I understand that maybe cor corporate propaganda is quite ubiquitous, but that's an objective fact. The NDP will run lower deficits. It's paid for. Because we actually <laughs> tax the rich, mm -hmm. right? One like, more time, people, Crystal. People Say that don't again. Think, yeah. People don't think because they're not taught to think this way because the media does a shit job. I don't even say they do a shit. They do their job very well, which is to mislead people in this particular sense, uh -huh. is that you do not call tax cuts spending, but they are. When you take $1 million and invest it in childcare, it's government spending. When you cut $1 million worth of taxes... It's giving money back to the citizens. Do you see what, do you see what I mean? Yeah, And absolutely. so, but, but both of those have an effect on the deficit. And they could have counter effects. You give people a million dollars in tax cuts. It could spur some businesses maybe. And, you, you know, maybe you get some of that million back. Versus the same, same thing with childcare. You spend a million on childcare, but it improves the quality of society. And in the long run, that investment can pay off. Like, th those things are, are true. But the reality is, is that in the immediate term, you're spending a million either way. Right. Yeah. And I just just to add in there, yeah. the one thing that we know is not true through like trial and error error over the last 50 years is this idea of trickle down economics. Yeah. That if, if you if give, we're, tax, like, if just you give work. tax cuts to the rich, it doesn't work. Yeah, if you give money proven. to poor, like if you if you cut like if you cut taxes on people making under like 30, 40 K and like you kind of make it a kind of quasi guaranteed income. Like, you know, you increase the, the, the income deductions. I mean, the conservatives are proposing some of this. It's not a bad policy where, like, you make it so that, like, people that, are, that, that have jobs but don't make a lot of money get to, you know, go longer on their income without having to pay that first tax dollar. That can have stimulative effects and be good for businesses and good for local economies. It can be because those mm -hmm. people are going to spend the money and it's going to be good. But, yeah, it, those are all still expenditures, though, right? When you cut a tax, you are spending money as a government. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't think about it that way But to this broader question of it's too good to be true. Look, here's the thing. The parties that promise shit still don't meet their promises. Yes. The pro Trudeau right? has like, not met his promises. Like you and might his say, oh, Trudeau's got more reasonable promises. Well, may maybe, <laughs> but like he doesn't fucking meet them. Yeah, it's so it's crazy. like Justin Trudeau just made a few little reasonable promises and he still broke a ton of them. And so, yeah, look, if we're going to be honest, especially if it's a minority government, but even if the NDP formed a majority, yeah, they're not necessarily going to be able to get everything they promised done, done. And I'm and look, every party breaks promises through a mixture of, uh, disingenuousness and you know sometimes it doesn't work out yeah like some promises don't work out yeah. like sometimes it's just fucking lying like electoral reform with the liberals mm -hmm. but sometimes like things sometimes like things happen 
things happen. So like the but the reality is is that like it's almost the ambition means that even if Singh meets a a significant portion of his promises, it'll be one of the most transformative governments in modern Canadian history. Mm -hmm. Um and we have to be clear that a lot of the Canadians agree with me here because when there's polling done on the ethics of the leader, we've talked about these. Um Jugmeet pulls very high on sincerity and he pulls very high on or very low on will say anything to get yeah. elected. And so Singh is not saying these things because he just wants to get elected. Singh is saying these things because we can do them. And some of these programs are only seen as too good to be true again because corporate lying. Some yeah. of these are going to be big. Like some of these programs are going to be big and they're going to be hard. Like reconciliation, that's not going to be easy. But the NDP dental care plan is super fucking simple. Yeah. It's super fucking simple. And the only reason we don't have it is corporate greed. Like that's the only reason, right? And and and, and the liberals and conservatives don't give a fuck about poor people, <laughs> right? Block two because they voted against it. Yeah. The NDP plan could have simply been paid for by taking the liberal tax cut from the last election and giving that tax cut still to people making under six figures, basically, and taking it away from the six figures and up people. And that gives dental care to 5 million people Boom. because you, you, what you do is you basically create a, a, a dental care fund. You're not creating public dental care. I've heard criticisms of the plant as it's not universal. It's not yet baked in the farm uh, to, to, to the, the, the Medicare plant. Those are valid criticisms. But one of the benefits of the system is you can basically just give poor people money to go to the dentist, mm -hmm. right? If you make under 90K, not even poor, if middle-class people, if you make under 90K a year and you don't have insurance, you can go to the dentist for free. That's the NDP plan. Health Canada had did a report, like the, the liberal bureau, like the lib, it's not the liberal government's, it's not the liberal party's bureaucracy, but the Justin Trudeau-led health department, which has, you know, a, a minister of health that is a liberal, they did a report saying if you, the NDP plan will significantly fix a lot of the gaps, particularly facing low-income and indigenous people when it comes to dental care. And so in some ways, I think this is a mixture of yeah, he's making big promises, but parties that make shit promises break them. And two, some of the things are actually really easy to do. And the reason they haven't been done isn't it's hard. It's because the current parties don't want to do them. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think that really sums it up. Like the idea that these are big promises is something that is entirely manufactured. Like I, I think I'm even a little more cynical than you are about this, Christo. Like I, I, I do believe that many of the media apparatus that we have in, in Canada are designed to make any transformative change seem like something that is too good to be true just by the nature of what the media represents and what it's trying to protect. It's trying to protect the status quo and that status quo party has been and will be, at least for the time being, the liberal party. So I, I think that's absolutely huge. And just think about that, folks. If you're listening right now, chances are you might be using this to convince someone that you care about, someone that maybe compares, cares about you. And just to compel them and say, if we supported the NDP plan for dental care, 
we would be able to afford going to the dentist. It wouldn't be complicated. It could have happened. And that was taken away for me and, and people that matter to me. I think that is compelling. That's compelling to a lot of liberal voters that maybe aren't having their issue themselves that have had dental care their entire life, but maybe their children who are now older and unable to succeed in the same way in this capitalist hellscape can't. So I, I do think that's compelling and it is a great disservice, not due to like inefficient media apparatus, but a planned yeah. movement to make certain things seem unobtainable to ensure big changes don't happen. And if you're listening to this, chances are you want big changes to happen, not because you're selfish or, you know, because you you, you just don't like that certain people uh, have money. You just want to be able to survive. You just want to be able to get on with your fucking life. And that is something that I think only the NDB party is speaking to right oh, now. Oh, you did it. Oh, NDP, NDP party. party. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I'm keeping it in. I'm not editing yeah. it out, Crystal. But, and that was right after <laughs> know, my yeah, most yeah, impassioned know, yeah. message happens, to man. people. God it happens, damn it. Look. All it's right. Good. It, it's still good. It's still good. All right. Let's talk about Bob Ray. This is the final question yeah. that uh, I think a lot of our audience. We, yeah, is... there's like th there's a lot of good questions, but I think these were like the three yeah. broad camps, right? Yeah, they they encompassed pretty much all the others. Uh, there are some from the left that I think we might actually get to on a little special thing we're doing on Saturday. So we'll we'll tee that up in a yeah. little bit. Uh, just Christo, before you know, we we end off here. There has been many complaints and worries from those boomer Gen Xers about what Bob Ray did as premier. The idea that he completely destroyed the province, that nothing worked, and the fear that this would happen again with any sort of leadership by the NDP. So it's just safer to not support these changes because in their mind, you know, this one guy fucked up that many years ago it's it's a common complaint our third most popular what do you think what party is bob ray a member of <laughs> party is bob ray a member of what party did bob ray most recently lead as interim leader which party did bob ray most uh recently hold a seat in parliament as oh is it the liberal party it's the, it's the liberal party there we like, go look, yeah Ding, look, ding. I'm, like, I'm not, not going to be that glib, but it's it's very clear that Bob Ray hasn't been an NDPer for like my adult life. Yeah, like he, he, you know, Bob Ray. This is not Bob. Bob Ray was not an you know he is not an NDPer. Bob Ray, you know, is a liberal, and so I think that that that's certainly something to be said is that you know Bob Ray uh, is not an NDPer, and Bob Ray's values are not reflected in the NDP. So if your issue really is with Bob Ray then your issue is not with the NDP, at least not anymore. Look, there was a lot of issues with that government, and I'm not going to defend the Ray government necessarily, although they did do some good things. They passed historic pay equity legislation that still really hasn't been matched in Ontario, either by liberal or conservative governments. They made important investments into social services. They held a vote, which they should have whipped. Uh, they, gave, they held a free vote on legalizing gay marriage. Uh, it failed because the uh, Bob Ray again was a bit of a coward uh, and didn't force all of the NDP to vote for it. And enough NDPers flipped to join most of the liberals and conservatives in a homophobic vote. But they held that vote. It was one of the first jurisdictions in North America to do so. Um, but of course, they did a lot of bad things. They started the trend towards workfare. The Ray days, 
uh, you know, where, where it was a violation of collective bargaining rights and freedoms of workers, especially in the public sector. And so um, it's a mixed bag. I'm not going to defend it. But the reality is that, you know, a lot of people criticize the, the Ray government in particular for like financial mismanagement. Mm hmm. Right. And there's a few factors that people need to consider. One, Ray governed in a difficult time and it's affected a lot of other premiers as well, that it was at a time when the federal government was making substantial cuts to uh, federal tra tra transfers to the provinces, uh, which affected a lot of governments and their ability to run. And then th those were in down in turn downloaded to the municipalities. So a lot of these social and economic issues we have on things like housing and homelessness, they, they, they were always there, of course, but they exacerbated in that kind of key neoliberal era. Another factor that needs to be considered is that the NDP in terms of provincial governments has often run lower deficits than liberal and conservative provincial governments. When you compare them, because you can't compare the NDP federally, we've never governed federally. Yeah. But when you compare the provincial NDP governments to the provincial conservative governments to the provincial liberal governments, the NDP has often run lower deficits. And again, I'm not even a deficit hawk, but if you're the kind of person who often cares about Ray, one of the arguments is he ran up the debt, right? He ran mm. up the debt. Uh, and I would suggest that while, the, you know, I'm not an expert on the Ray period, that in general, provincial NDP governments have been quite successful. And if you're being really cynical about it, if you want to be really cynical about it, and you have like a moderate friend, and like, look, we'll have to be honest, NDP governments tend to not be as radical as people fear or yeah. as you or I want. <laughs> they're not, they're, right? it's like not if we're the socialist really, wave yeah, that's coming. Like if it's we're really that. being honest and like, look, like I don't want this to be the case, but like, look, John Horgan's a fucking dick a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Rachel Notley was awful a lot of the times, right? It's like, like NDP premiers are like, you know, and like that's, that's a left criticism of the NDP and, yeah. and, and not a totally invalid one. That like when in power, they they like they're better than the liberals, but not a whole lot better, it, it, depending on certain definitions. And so one of the arguments against the NDP is not really for the liberals or conservatives, but just like what's the point of the NDP in power when they they're not significantly different enough from the alternatives. And yeah. so if you're one of these people that's worried about Rob, Bob Ray, you're not actually one of those leftists. Like you're not like the, the, that, that is not the, that there's no Venn diagram there. Those are two <laughs> distinct circles, people who worry about right wing NDP governments and people who worry about Bob Ray. And so I think you can say to people like, look, most NDP governments in power are relatively moderate. If you're, if you're, and again, look, you have to serve your audience. Mm -hmm. like if your goal is to get votes for the NDP, don't use that argument when you're talking to like, your like friend that's like a leftist that's disenchanted with electoral politics. <laughs> but if you're talking to your grandma, that yeah. argument might work. Like yeah. say like, you know, for like everyone's critical of Bob Ray, but like John Horgan and Rachel Notley often were seen as, 
you know, competent stewards from an administrative perspective. Mm-hmm. And so there's no reason that Jagmeet Singh couldn't do that. And one argument further is that in terms of, of, of power and flexibility with budgets and things like that, federal governments have a lot more power to raise revenue. The federal government has uh, control of the currency, not, not directly the Bank of Canada, semi-independent, blah, blah, blah. But the federal government has much more financial power than the provinces do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so more flexibility in that regard. Yeah, so I think that really sums up our our questions. But again, Bob Ray's a liberal now. Yes. Bob Ray's a liberal. Bob Ray's a liberal. liberal. Don't worry about it. It's not the the same situation. And if you are really worried from, you know, a a middle to right wing perspective, chances are the NDP government that we get will not nearly be a socialist as you fear and we hope. So I I think some of the other questions we're going to get to on a little telethon that we're taking part of a uh, part yeah. in uh, this now weekend. I believe they are. We, I think, I think that we might, they, there might be a schedule. I think we're on maybe at 10. Oh, are we 10 now? I thought it was nine, think, but maybe I we're th- 10. Yeah. L- let me check. Andre said prime time. We're doing... Prime time. <laughs> yeah. So let me see. Uh, looking Let's at the look, schedule folks. here. I think maybe we, we, we were like a little slow to the draw. So it's yes. our fault. So they basically starting at noon on Twitch on Rob Russo's channel. They're hosting it there. Uh, there's going to be all sorts of guests. Most of the people are other Harbinger shows, yes. right? Big Shiny Takes is on the list. Uh, Kino Leffler's on the list. Uh, Rob Russo's on the there. list. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are, I guess, tentatively scheduled for like later in the night. So like, I think we'll be on at 10. We we are closing it out perhaps. So that that is still some you know, some, uh, some high appeal there. We will likely be the ones kind of shutting her down in those last few hours. So if you had a question that was not answered here by Christo, how, you know, to respond to this NDP uh, push, likely we'll be focusing on that there and, and covering a lot of what we did. We'll have uh, all the links online as well. Since this is, though, the last show before the election, don't know what we're doing election night. We might do something live. Again, we'll have all that information. We'll probably do something, whether we'll do a live show, because there's a lot of live shows that night. Right after, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. you know, like, you know, whether people will be, there's a lot of left shows that are doing something live. So we might not, you know, want to step on anybody's toes, but we'll we'll, we'll have something out that night at at the very least. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, my my well, if we want projections now, they my projection my is going to be a liberal minority government. Uh, the NDP making significant, not, not not historic gains, but likely somewhere in the mid thirties in seats. Uh, the block slightly down. The Greens at I believe I'm gonna say one seat. The PPC still at zero, um, and mostly a status quo parliament. That's my projection right now. There we go. But, uh, you know, I don't, don't bet any money on that. <laughs> and I, w- I want to take the position that I think would be the funniest, which I think is always really important when you're in these positions talking about it. And that is uh, the projections are just a little bit off and O'Toole is able to sneak by. He gets that minority. The PPC get a seat somewhere and uh, Trudeau is very unceremoniously kicked out of that position and we then get uh, a whole new breed of liberal coming in strong for the next election and doing just horrible, horrible things to us. But 
good news for Jagmeet. I see him really growing into that. We talked about before that Jack Layton figure. I think if he does well here, he really could be. So I am excited about that. Um, One final thing I want to say, just Christo, if you will, just one last message, because this is the last time you're going to hear from us. This show was a lot today about how to advocate for uh, certain people to vote a certain type of way because we believe it is important. And I think the most compelling way that you can help convince or advocate those who would normally vote maybe liberal or conservative to vote NDP is trying to impress upon them why these NDP movements and policies will directly help you. So much of politics doesn't actually address the concerns that you have, likely, if you're listening to our show. And finally, you have one political party that is moving in that direction, if not really addressing it, but giving you something. And chances are the people that you're talking to care about you. And I think that is a much better reason and a much more compelling reason for someone to vote for a party they never have before than a lot of the myopic stuff that we've talked about today of, you know, Harper years and, and the rhetoric of it all. You are suffering and the NDP is in a position to make your life better. That should be enough. So, Christo, anything else you, you want to say? These final moments you've had. You've been a busy episode this week. You, you've said a lot, but any final thoughts? Get out and vote, right? If you haven't Ooh. voted yet, like, look, man, like, ultimately, I, people need to participate in democracy. If you're going to vote for the NDP or anybody else, you know, uh, I'm guessing we have a lot of PPC listeners. So get out and vote <laughs> for the semen, the semen uh, store guy. Um, but no, get out and Breathe vote. Through your um, balls, folks. You, 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 you know, it. it you can vote with pretty much anything, uh, even if you don't really have a lot of identification. If you go to a polling station, like, we, we, you know, we you exercise your right to vote, right? I believe at this point now, it's unlike advanced polling is done. Yeah. I believe you could still, if you have a mail-in ballot, you can still mail it, but it has to get in on election day. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it with this close amount of time. So, you know, on, on election day, go and vote, uh, participate in democracy and uh, let's hope for the best.